Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. I think today you're really going to enjoy Stacey Hollowell, the head coach of Loyola University of New Orleans, NAIA national champion, 37-1, and coach of the year, NABC coach of the year, national coach of the year. Uh, one of the brightest people I've come across in years as far as X and O wise, understanding the players he's coaching at an extremely elite level, has a great background from FIBA coaching overseas, coaching against fabulous people. Just one of the best, one of the really best coaches that you come across and uh, wrapping it up this year with a national championship. Such a cool guy. We had him at our national, at our next gen coaches forum at the final four uh, with our fast model and coaching you plus and, just spectacular. I think you're really going to enjoy uh, Stacy. Also, I want to make sure that you uh, follow up on this. Our early bird pricing for our, both our Coaching You Live VIP experience, uh, July 9 and 10 in Las Vegas. And for those of you that are interested in someday working in the NBA to G League in a front office, we have a brand new program called the Front Office Training Camp, which we have done for eight years uh, with NBA players to put them in a position to do that. That event is at Planet Hollywood on the 11th and 12th, Monday and Tuesday. You can actually go to both events uh, as a coach. Uh, you know, again, I spent, you know, 30 years in the NBA of which probably three quarters of them were coaching and the other quarter was in the front office. So your skill set is wired to do it, whether it be scouting, uh, putting teams together, becoming a, and if you're an expert on analytics, it's a fabulous program. Go to coachingyoulive.com forward slash 2022 for information of how to sign up. Coachingyoulive.com forward slash 2022 for info on this. Let's, we'll take a quick timeout and then we'll see Stacy Hollowell. Coaches, are you looking to take your game preparation to the next level? then Fast Model Sports is the perfect coaching software for you. With FastDraw, build an organized library of plays and drills and create professional playbooks to share with your players and staff. You can also download over 9,500 free plays and drills from our playbank directly to your FastDraw account. Looking for a better way to build your scouting reports and want to include video? With FastScout, build custom scouting report templates to prepare your team best for each individual opponent. Plus, did you know with the latest updates from Fast Model Sports, you can now include video with your Fast Scout reports and share with your coaches and staff all within the Fast Scout mobile app. The combination of Fast Draw and Fast Scout is by far the best way for you and your coaches to create winning game strategies and effectively communicate them to your team. Over 10,000 high school and youth coaches trust Fast Model Sports products to help their teams reach their goals. To order, go to FastModelSports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any FastDraw or FastScout products. Remember, go to FastModelSports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any FastDraw and FastScout products. Tremendous opportunity today to talk to Stacy Hollowell, the Outstanding coach at Loyola University in New Orleans, who had a 37-1 record as they were NAIA national champions. Stacy, welcome to our incredible podcast where we have the top coaches and people of basketball in the world visiting. It is such a thrill to have you. Zach and I uh, think the world of you and pre appreciate you coming on. Oh, glad to be here and sorry to lower the bar for your, uh, your coaching standards there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're 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 used to all the time challenges in our profession. So you're the only guy in our in our trio here that's uh that was at a Pelicans game. Well Zach goes to Pelican games, but last night uh you were you and your team were honored by the Pelicans, uh the great you know, for what you've done for the great city of New Orleans this year. Talk about that for your players. What an opportunity that is to come in front of a terrific NBA team, you know, and to be honored like that. Well, first of all, just a class move, I think, by the Pelicans to to recognize us. And uh, 
and to make memories for our young guys. And uh, I was able to bring my my own children out there on the floor, and and they'll they'll never forget it. So just a special mm-hmm. night. And you also uh, had a, a nice ceremony yesterday with the New Orleans at City Hall by them proclaiming, you know, basically, you know, the recognition of your team for what it did, for, you know, in bringing, you know, great memories to a city that every year, you know, with our weather or whatever goes through tough times. We came through two years of a tough COVID era in New Orleans and you brought joy to a lot of people in the city. So 77 years ago, Loyola won the NAIB National Championship. Uh, that was before it was NAIA. Uh, it was just basketball. James and A. Smith started it uh, just to bring teams together to play basketball in Kansas City in 1937. And, um, you know, it, 1945 was the last time we won the championship. But to, to bring it back 77 years later, uh, to be recognized by the city, uh, the the energy that it's created in our city and the kind of rejuvenated interest in our program has been special. And so we got to sit in front of city council uh, yesterday and, and talk to the members, tell them about our season and kind of the, the challenges of losing the gym and uh, relocating to Dallas and coming back and traveling around the city and practicing in different locations, playing some games at Tulane and then, you know, maybe the last six or seven at our place. And uh, I think they were surprised at all the challenges that we had this year. You know, last weekend when we got together in New Orleans for the Final Four uh, on Friday, a week, you know, you were honored as a National Coach of the Year for NAIA basketball. What a thrill. And as always, when you have a terrific team, coaches get honors and stuff like that. But, you know, every terrific coach I've ever been around it's really an honor for your players uh, because you're selfless leader. Um, you know, when you were out there and I've seen all the video of it, when you're out there with your other peers, NCA division one, two, three, et cetera. And you're out there with Tommy Lloyd from Arizona and, you know, Ben McCollum, division two coach. What's that like being out there, you know, you know, in your profession to, to really, you know, climb all the way up there. It's nice, you know, it's uh, uh, sweat equity, you might call it, you know, Good. a lot of hard Great work term. put in, a lot of time. Uh, you know, my path has taken me all over the world. And, um, you know, when you when you get into this business, like you don't think about things like, uh, hey, I, one day I'm going to be national coach of the year or, one day I'm going to be talking on the coaching you podcast or it's, you know, you just, you, you get into it because you, you love basketball. You probably played basketball, wanted to play basketball, whatever that, you know, might have looked like. And, uh, and you want to share, you know, with, with, with kids and help them grow and learn as well. And um, so it was a little surreal, quite honestly, I never really expected it. Um, never even thought that that might happen. It's just, uh, I guess about midway through the season, I was talking to a coach in the state and he's like, Hey man, uh, you're registered for NABC, right? You know, for the, for the convention. He's like, you got a real chance to be national coach of the year. And I was like, shoot. Wow. I guess I didn't even think about it. Never thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But to be up there with Tommy Lloyd and, and, and Ben, you know, has done an amazing job at Northwest Missouri. It's pretty awesome. You know, one of the things, uh, my first year ever coaching in the NBA, UB Brown was the NBA coach of the year. At, and, uh, you know, media-wise, the NBA is a fraction then what it is now. And I went to his press conference in the in the Omni in Atlanta where we played, and it was the room a little bigger in my office here now with about five media in there. But Yubi's talking like he is speaking to the United Nations. You know, he's given a lecture like he does all the time. And he and I'll never forget, this is 1980, okay? And I have not forgotten what he said to this day. He said, when you win coach of the year, it, it happens because the notoriety of a coach is dictated by the execution of his players under pressure. It's the darn best definition I've ever heard of that. That's how you become 
recognized by your peers as one of the very best. Conversely, I've also taken that to be like the great players that we have in the game at any level, the ones that become the MVPs, et cetera. It's because they execute under pressure also, you know, whether it be Jokic and beat Kevin Durant, you know, they execute under pressure. So pressure, you know, many of us have never felt we've been under in our life. You were under tremendous pressure this year in New Orleans, A, because of the pandemic we went through. It was very rough for us living in Louisiana. Two, what a lot of people, have, 24 hours after anything happens in this world, people forget about it. We had a terrible, terrible hurricane, uh, Hurricane Ida. And different parts of the state it really affected New Orleans being one of them. So it really knocked out your gym, your floor of your gym. And now you had to figure out where the hell you were going to play or practice every single day. That's pressure. And playing a lot of home game, away games, that even makes it W. Talk about that experience of operating under adversity. I think that's really a big thing in coaching. Well, we, we had two choices, you know, pout about it and, and lose or kind of spring into action and, and uh, see if you can make the, the most out of a situation. And so, you know, I, I evacuated with my family to, to uh, Mississippi. We went to, they call it the kill, Kiln, Mississippi. And we thought we were far enough to the east to miss the storm. And uh, we were sitting in the pantry at my, my in-law's house. And I was watching uh, a YouTuber uh, who was in the city. He had gone from uh, one area of town where there was a high water rescue and he had moved into the, the central business district. And uh, he just, he was sitting there and you could see pieces of sheet metal flying across the screen, uh, you know, flashing from the, from the sides of the buildings. And my wife looked at me and she said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm, I'm watching our city be destroyed. You know what? I don't know what that's going to mean for, our school, I don't know what that's going to mean for our season, our players, no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, we pandemic was, we had the mask mandate in the city. And so there was uncertainty anyway. Two days later, uh, one of my players sent me a video of the roof blowing off. So a student was in the dorm and filmed from up and could see the wow. roof lift off and, and fly down Ferret Street. And, um, I knew that was going to be a problem. Four days later, my AD said, Hey, look, we can get back into the city. You can, you can come in the gym and, you know, would you mind sticking around helping me get some things out? It rained in there. It's wet and things are kind of gross and we need to take some pictures. And uh, so when we got there, the floor, the floor was buckled, you know, every oh. board in the gym. And so our, our facility is, you could probably fit three courts side by side, maybe more. Uh, and it was wall to wall wood. And so, um, huh. when we, when we got back, you know, they cut out sheetrock, they cut out, uh, the racquetball courts, you know, four feet up on racquetball courts. And, um, I just told him, I said, look, we, we've, we've got to do something, uh, to get our guys together as soon as possible. I said, a bunch of our guys went out towards Dallas and the Fort Worth area anyway. Would you mind if we do? If I just get them together and do like a training camp, kind of like what we did when I was overseas. And he said, just get it done. Do what you need to do. Wow. So our gear had been delivered right before the oh. storm. Fortunately, I had it all elevated and out of the way. And uh, I went into our locker rooms, got a trash bag for each guy, put their stuff in trash bags, stuck it all in my car, got the gear. Went to Dallas and we had practice gear. We had everything in place that we needed to wow. kind of get, get rolling. And uh, the Mark Cuban Center came through for us in a big way, allowed us to practice there, and they, they took care of us. And uh, the Omni Hotel there in Dallas gave us a, a good situation. SMU jumped in and helped us with uh, feeding the guys a little bit. And uh, wow. just really fortunate, really fortunate. And um, I guess we were there 10 10 days or so. 
and the university said, Hey, we're going to start back on ground. Um, you know, be prepared to be back, you know, on this date. I don't remember what the exact date was. And, um, so when we got back, we had no gym and, uh, we had, uh, a call into Xavier, a call into Delgado Community College, and, and fortunately both came through for us. Tulane had evacuated their entire athletic program, and when they came back, they offered uh, their facility as well. So it wasn't ideal, but I, I do feel like that that camp, for lack of a better word, in Dallas helped us build a, a kind of a unique bond through the storm. Um, and, and then – just the uncertainty and adversity that we went through finding different, we went one morning and, and we had, we had a scheduled practice in another facility. We got there and there were no goals. And uh, so those kinds of things, you know, it's just, uh, and you know, control what you can control. We had very little control and it was just like, all right, guys, try it again tomorrow, you know, go to weights today and we'll, we'll, we'll do it again tomorrow. We just made it work. So, you know, probably looking back on it, Stacy, it was probably a, the development of great brotherhood of, of a team, the bonding that you mentioned, but also, you know, we always talk about mental toughness and stuff, but those guys lived it every day. You lived it every day because I think in general, kids nowadays, many of them at every level from youth on up are soft as hell, right? And, and now... If you're soft, you ain't surviving now. I mean, that, that under those circumstances. So in a way that made, that, that was a great blueprint and start for your season. It was. And, and, you know, last year we made a, a deep run in the tournament and we had some unfortunate situations there. We had a, you know, a key player that we had to dismiss uh, about midway through. And then our starting point guard had an injury in the elite eight game. Uh, last year we lost in double overtime and all of our returners knew we had something special going. We added a couple of really nice pieces uh, to that group. And I think when they saw it all coming together on the heels of that, there was nothing that was going to stop us, right? That, that The hurricane was unfortunate. I think all of us had the uncertainty but there was this focus on we're winning and nothing's going to slow it down. We're, it's going to happen. I would, I could have never projected 37 and one. It's incredible. When you, your background is unlike 99% of the college coaches, because uh, you have a FIBA background, very few coaches that coach, especially as a head coach, and and I, I'm trying to even think of any have a FIBA background, you know, where they they really, you know, cut their teeth coaching at that level. There's guys that have coached internationally, but not to start and stuff. Talk about how that has shaped so many of the things that you do, your style of play, etc. Well, first of all, if we're talking straight, um that was not intended, you know, it wasn't right. intended to, to cut my teeth overseas. I, I made as a young assistant coach, some poor decisions, you know, I mean, nothing, nothing dramatic, like nothing outlandish, but uh, I just maybe thought I knew more than I knew. I made mistakes and, um, Bounced around. I, I told you I volunteered for, for three years and um, got a call one day from a guy named Joey Stiving, who had coached at the University of New Orleans, and he was offered the uh, the national team job in Qatar. And he said, look, I, I offered all my other assistants the job. No one wanted to go overseas. And this was two months before the war broke out in Iraq, so can't say I blame him, but I, I wanted to travel. <laughs> and I didn't care. And... Uh, it was probably too dumb still to, to know what I was getting into, but I, I enjoyed it uh, beyond measure. And, um, and I was thrown to the fire. It was he and I, and that was it. And so um, 
he was asking me like, show me what you did when you were at, uh, you know, Western Kentucky, like, show me what you guys did. So I did my best and it wasn't enough. I just, my base wasn't very broad. Um, and once I started watching video and really, really watching video, everything changed. Um, where I would see two and three guys in actions before now I can see 10 moving as one. Um, it's easier to make coaching decisions when you can, when you can see that way. Um, but then to go against the, the level of coaching that we were going against, um, was a special, really special experience. Those guys spend all of their time on basketball, you know, and here we have other requirements. Uh, we, yeah. you know, make sure you guys are in class, make sure your guys are eligible, make sure whatever, everything is going just right. You have media obligations and you have Kiwanis and you have all these different things, you know, fundraising, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there it was pure basketball and it was pure basketball for us. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Tom Izzo told me uh, 20 plus years ago, we've been friends forever. And he said to me, uh, Brendan, the problem in college coaching is as a head coach at any of the big schools, 20% of your time is on basketball. 80% is doing other crap. <laughs> and at the time, he was almost the AD at Michigan State. Every coach that was hired, he was involved in hiring them. All the money needed to be raised, he had to raise it all for the whole university, not just basketball. And because he was the guy with the most tenure there. And he said, but my assistants, this is big time basketball, Big Ten, he said, my assistants don't spend 10% of their time on basketball because they're doing all the other stuff. And he says, it really sucks. <laughs> and that's kind of where we kind of said, when you're a uh, NBA coach as an assistant, 100% of your time is on basketball. 90% of your time as a head coach is on basketball. So even if we're not as good as a college coach, we're probably going to be better because we're spending more time. It's like spending more time studying versus someone who's studying 10% or 20% of the time. I'm studying all my time. I have a chance to get better than you. And I think the same thing with, uh, you know, the FIBA coaches that we know overseas, that's their job. That's their job. And, and I, and I, and I also, the other thing I want to emphasize about, international coaches to those that are listening to us. We have a lot of international coaches that listen is when I would do a clinic overseas, it really didn't matter the country. Uh, but I can remember when Chuck Daly and I went over the year before the, Olymp the Olympics, the dream team in 91, we went over after the NBA finals and we did a clinic in Spain because the games were going to be in Barcelona. We had 1700 coaches come to a clinic. You know, you do a clinic in the States, God knows what you're going to get, right? <laughs> and 1,700 coaches. And and Chuck showed him one play that we had developed based on a drill, you know, that we his favorite defensive drill was showing guys how to hedge a ball screen. And he used two postmen up at the elbows. And he three-man drill, guard would dribble off the elbow, the player would hedge, the guy would roll, and the other post player defensively would help on that guy. And as I always tell the story, Vinnie Johnson would kill Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars in the drill every day, and he'd say, yo, Chuck, from Brooklyn. Vinnie would say, yo, Chuck, let's make that an offense. He says, it's three-man drill, Vinnie. He said, just put two shooters in the corner for me, and it's an offense. And we put the darn thing in before anyone in the NBA even, we called it the V play because of the alignment. And we that's what Chuck showed the coaches in Spain. And then you see what they have done to the horn set, as people now call it. In Europe, it's 10 times better than any coach in the U.S. runs it because they do everything off of that. And I think that's why they're brilliant learners overseas. Brilliant. And that, that's, I, I've just been so impressed by them. Just about any game you turn on, you're going to see some action out of that alignment. A hundred percent. And they can do, and they, their, their concept of, you know, in the NBA 
or in college, we take a play and it, we almost turn it into a quick hitter and it dies. We're five-man team basketball and the continuity of something and the continual spacing is there. And they have taught me so much by what they do. And that's what I love about studying. And I say study that basketball. That was the same for you. Yeah, it was just every every single game. It was something else, you know. It was uh, both sides of the ball. You know, we, we mm-hmm. played uh, – we were in Taiwan at the William Jones Cup, and we played a team from uh, from Russia. And uh, we – you know, the action that we were running primarily in transition was – Carolina break, but it was the ball, the, the the back screen on the baseline instead of the angle screen for the lob, and um, they just switched everything, everything flat, and just kept us out in front. Took off the duck in pass, and um, you know when you're playing with 24 second shot clock, you better have some guys that can make plays off the bounce, you know. And it just neutralized everything we wanted to do, and um, you know I ended up using that later down the road um but it was it it just every game there was something that i was taking away uh was that was new and different and special so how has that shaped your philosophy now being uh having a growth mindset like you do and always trying to keep getting better when you put with each team that you have every year you know, it's not like the pros where you might have this similar many of your best players every year for years. Kids graduate, kids transfer in college now. So you have to be more adaptable. But when you put it and, and if you say, I'm going to have a system and your best players transfer out or graduate, then and you don't find a good replacement, then the system could be ineffective. Right. You know, so how do you develop? right now your style of play Stacy based on so the so the guys that we have had in this in this last group um were they're super super athletic if I'm choosing how to play yeah I want to I want to play fast in transition but I want to be judicious right like I'm not gonna like we're not doing seven seconds or less um, if if our numbers are upside down, then we're going to try to run something. And um, and look, you know, if, if I'm going three possessions, four possessions, and they're empty, we're going to run something uh, that gives me confidence and that gives our guys confidence. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. we're still here. We can still do what we want to do. We've taken some shots that might not be the best. Um, but we're going to run something uh, instead of going down 6-0 in that, you know, 8-0, whatever that might be. Um, so this group in particular, uh, we're fast and athletic. Um, we we did run and jump press this year. We did 1-2-2 wow. two, two zone press. We did 1-3-1, one, one, like a, a legitimate big hand, high hands, one, three, one. And we did a, it aligns as a one, three, one, but we have two, three, uh, rotations. And, um, and then in, in our, in our man defense, we had, uh, more of a pack line philosophy at times. And then we also had a, a man defense where we were on the line, up the line and, and deny, uh, <laughs> ball screen coverages. We had hedge switch, Drop, ice, blitz, and wow. and but we these guys have been with us long enough sure. where we can do that stuff a little bit better than a team that's you know like you know I don't I mean McMahon at LSU's got to re- retool and reload and like we had sixty actions this year and he's not going to be able to do sixty actions I don't think he might. Um, but next year, if these guys move on, we're going to have to, you know, two back in transition, stop the ball, cover the hole, like what, you know, whatever it may look like, we're going to have to make adjustments. This group, we could, we could uh, dribble drive a little bit. 
get stuff out of that. We could ball screen continuity a little bit. Um, and then we did stuff to, um, you know, teams really started to, to load up on that two side, um, you know, and tag hard on the roll. And so then we put in actions to get the tagger out of the way. Um, just continuing to evolve, being willing to spend some time on what you really want to do. We didn't run many drills this year because we, we didn't really have to next year. I might, I might have to teach a lot more, um, through drills. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back and start right on that because now you're in my sweet spot. I love that. Okay. Take a All quick right. time out. We'll be back with Stacy. I'm so excited to announce our new partner, Instat. Instat is a powerful web-based platform which enables you to store, edit, and share video linked to statistics. Their video database contains over 30,000 player profiles and nearly 7,000 team profiles. Thousands of basketball games from all over the world are uploaded daily, with many of them filmed exclusively by Instat. Instat's user-friendly interface is very intuitive. The flexible filtering system will fit the needs of coaches at all levels. You can sort through specific play types, locations on the court, lineups, and various other parameters. The Instat system contains multiple tools that clients from all over the world utilize for scouting, recruiting, coaching and player development, video editing, and tagging. They also take an individual approach to each client. The wide network of Instat account representatives allow Instat to best serve their clients 24-7. Also, Instat production specialists will provide you with a quick and precise breakdowns of your team and opponents in less than 10 hours. Need a certain game ready sooner? Instat gives you the ability to prioritize the specific games you want the data for first. Instat also provides free individual player access. So feel free to invite your players to the Instat platform so they can access their page, follow their performance, scout opponents, and share clips with other players and coaches. After each game, they can receive an individual one-page PDF report and video clips with all box score statistics. For more details, please visit our official website, instatsport.com forward slash basketball and apply for a free one month trial using code coaching you live again that code is coaching you live contact eric stang at eric.stang at instatsport.com for more information on this offer as well and that's e-r-i-c period s-t-a-n-g at I-N-S-T-A-T sport.com or click the link in our show notes. We're back with Stacey Hollowell from Loyola of New Orleans. Stacey, we talked about the things that you're doing with your team are all the things that we would do with an NBA team. I, I mean, it's almost like, but the things that I love is your team is really based on I think the best way to do it at every level, college or pro, is you better start with a foundation of really good defense because defense, to me, at at the high levels, allows you to get open court fast breaks. You know, if you're taking the ball out of baskets after scores, you don't see a lot of good fast breaks in the NBA, (laughs) like hardly any. If you watch NBA, like if you when I I get a chance to go to college practices all the time preseason. And when I go in the first few days of practice, every college coach has a fast break after a basket's made. It's a five-man break, whether Carolina, oh, it's beautiful. Okay. But they're taking the ball out of the basket every time after the other team scores. And when you go to an NBA thing, yeah, they have a fast break after a made basket. But when you go watch a game, there's no one running after a fast break, after a basket scored. 48-minute game, players are exhausted. But more importantly, they know if they don't score in the open court with numbers in the NBA, whether it be a three or a layup, uh, it's really hard to score five-on-five. So they don't mess with it, and then they come down and they run 
whether it's five out, five-man offense, but they're going to get a good shot. The thing that I found is that so many of our college coaches, and don't be upset, college coaches, you've heard me say this before, you spend a ton of time on drills, okay, which drills are important, what I call preseason. But when you get into the time when you really have to prepare and play, I think kids nowadays don't know how to play five on five well. And so I think you need to spend all your time five on five because in the off season, all kids do is they work with a trainer. They're working on shooting. They play if they're lucky to play one-on-one, but rarely do they ever play five on five, but kids don't know to how to play five on five offensively or defensively. So when you made your statement in our prior segment about, you know, you know, playing five on five, maybe next year more drills. I get it. But talk about that and how that's been successful for you, five on five. So, you know, this year, gosh, I'd have to look back and see how many practices we had. But Great question we, right there. Yeah. You know, uh, let's call it 100. I don't know. Okay. Um, and then 38, 30, 39 games, right? We had an exhibition with, with UNO. Um, we laid that foundation defensively uh, in that Dallas, in that 10-day window in Dallas. And so we had uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we did two a days. And uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we did one, and we took off Sunday completely. And we scaled where we felt we needed to. But we put the defense in, um, and then we let them go. I mean, we, we had some transition drills in, in – you know, five on two and then add three, sure. you know, have three, five on two with three chasers, you know, stuff like that. Sure. Um, but it got us to five on five. And so when we got to uh, the national tournament, Sweet 16, right? We were at that point, we're, I don't know, 33, 34 and one. You start to have this build, like this anxiety build, like next game is Elite Eight, next game is Final Four. Like you kind of have this like weird buildup, right? It's funny that we have a kid this year. He broke the uh, the all-time scoring record in school history. Wow. And to break the record, he needed four points to start the game. And he missed, missed. And we ran a rip action to get him, like, what was going to be the, 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 the points that we thought uh, were going to break the record. And boom, right underneath the basket. And he, like, short-armed it. And it, it hit the backboard in the rim and he, and he, and he smoked it. And um, he had, he won't admit it, but he had some anxiety about breaking the record. Sure. And it was after the game, one of my guys goes, uh, uh, I miscounted. He actually broke the record last game. <laughs> so he had all of this pent up, like uh, whatever, you know, nervous yeah. about breaking the record, but he had already broken it and we didn't know. So, Going into the national tournament, you know, I'm like, guys, we're going to final four and, and, uh, and, you know, <laughs> it, media is going to be around and a little more attention and there's going to be distraction. I need you to stay focused and understand like you haven't just won 30, whatever games it was at that time. You've done this every single day that we've practiced because we had practiced five on five. So they might've played 35 games. You've played 135. Got it. And um, that experience goes a long, long way. I remember when I went to Qatar, some of those guys were talking about, you know, we have experience, man. Like, we we have – and I'm like, man, like, I didn't really <laughs> get it as a 27, 28-year-old. But yeah. now, you know, we were talking about the North Carolina game the other day. Who's going to win, Carolina or Duke? And – you know, Duke was ranked higher. They have pros. You know, Carolina's got some pros too, but Carolina had upperclassmen, you know, and and uh, it was like, who who would you rather have? Seniors fighting for their season and maybe in some cases their career or freshmen and sophomores fighting for a coach who's won 1,200 games. I'm going to take the guys who are fighting for their season, you know, yeah. 
Um, and they made some big plays in that game. Caleb Love was unbelievable and maybe not as unbelievable against uh, <laughs> in the finals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, I think the experience goes a long way. And, and by playing five on five, we're, we, we are given that experience. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I just think that nowadays, I mean, when I broke into coaching with great coaches, the, you know, it's almost like a lesson plan that you have as a teacher where they say, okay, we're going to do this from this time to this time or a class schedule even. Uh, and we would say, okay, here's our warm up. Here's when we're going to do our shooting drills. Here's our fast break section of our practice. Here's our transition defensive practice. Here's our man to man offense. Oh, here's a segment for man to man defense. And it was like, my God, it was like three hours of things. And until, I mean, shoot, I, I, I probably was coaching for probably 15 to 20 years almost by the time I finally got to Chuck Daly. And he said, well, what we do is we put everything together so that we're every time we're working on man-to-man offense, we're working on our man-to-man defense. But when we make or miss, we're working on transition offense and transition defense. And we we take till one team scores two baskets, then we stop. And we're working on taking care of the ball. We're working on rebounding. And, and I'm saying he's combining everything after we've initially taught it. And literally we could do a practice in an hour and do everything from side under out of bounds, under out of bounds, anything we wanted to in that time frame. And our dear friend, Pat Riley, was coaching at one point across the river from us in New York with the Knicks. And his practices were three and three and a half hours with the pros. And and Chuck was, was phenomenal with the media. And, and they'd say, uh, uh, Chuck, how long did you practice today? He says, well, I had to go long today. I went 50 minutes. And the players across the river, Ewing and them are pissed off. They're saying, son of a bitch. God, they only practiced for 50 minutes. And it was brilliant psychology on top of it, you know. And he says, well, I gotta, I, I've won championships. i got to keep my guys fresh because we're going to play till June. So we'll be ready. We'll have legs. And so now he was working on the heads of the opponents. And I, and I said, but our guys believed it too, that they're going to have their legs and stuff like that. And we had players that I laugh now. Five players in the NBA this year. I don't know if you've seen this. Five players in the NBA will have have played every game for the whole season. They've played in 80 games. 80 games. Five. And not one of them is an all-star. Not one. Michael Jordan played 15 years in the NBA. One year he only played the back third of the season when he came from baseball. Every other year he played every game. Michael Jordan. There was no load management with those guys. And if we ever tried to tell Isaiah or one of those guys, hey, listen, you're going to rest today, he'd say, you're not coaching today. I'm playing. You're not coaching. We're not resting. I mean, that, that the whole mindset was different because they love to play. So if they love to play, then let's play and practice after they know what to do and you've taught them during your preseason. Thoughts? Well, I don't think we had too many practices that hit two hours. Um, yeah. Most of them were going to be in that hour to hour, 15 hour, maybe hour 30 range. Another reason is, I mean, the times in the past years, younger Stacy, two and a half hour practices, every yeah. single guy's out of there, you know, they're done. Um, you go an hour, hour and a half, your guys want to stick around and shoot. Mm-hmm. You need that. You know, you, 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 I want the guys to be in there and want to be in there and want to shoot and, and, and improve. And some of those, those long grinder practices, they're, they're just, they're done. They're exhausted. They're tired of being on their feet and they're gone. So um, it's worked for us. You know, I know it's worked for some other guys. You know, and I think if you look at it in terms of business, you know, the object is to make sure your customer likes it. And 
sometimes I think we used to devise practices when I first started coaching and I was always an assistant um, for the coach, you know, more than for the player. Yeah. And, and like you said, I want guys to come to practice, not dread it. I, you know, and I think the same thing goes into film sessions. Sometimes I think with the young people today, their attention span and all your thoughts on that. I mean, uh, where there's some people that are spending an hour, hour and a half, they watch to make their team watch the whole game. You know, you know, your thoughts on what to do with film preparation and all guys, guys like to watch basketball because they like to watch as a fan, you know, they like to see them themselves. They want to see their highlights. Um, I remember I was in Qatar. We had played uh, Perth Wildcats. Coach's name escapes me at the moment. Uh, he, he coached at Hawaii, oh, University of Hawaii. Scott something maybe. Anyway, Fisher. <clears throat> they ran triangle stuff. And they were doing drop passes, you know, blind pig drop pass. Yep. In transition, weak side blind pig in transition, the kid caught it. Boom. Dumped it over his shoulder. It looked like, you know, 85, 86, 87 Lakers. And my boss goes, hey, I want you to learn the triangle. I go, okay. <laughs> Fine. I bought all the Tex Winter videos. Still have them. VHS. Um, and somehow I got a Bulls breakdown from, uh, you know, when Jordan was there. But I sat in front of my television in Qatar, in my living room. <laughs> With a with a uh, a notebook, and wrote every single pass, fill the corner, feed the post, corner cuts to corner, wing yep. cuts, screens pinch post, top goes away and comes back. I drew it, reset it to the other side, pass to the post. It's all the actions, right? Yep. And I would find myself. Uh, okay, uh, rewind, you know, and and falling asleep, you know, over and over and over. I didn't, I, I didn't love it, but I, I, it watching video grew in me as a skill. Um, and because I did it that way, I, I just, I felt like I learned so much quicker. Like I think if you can learn triangle stuff and the continuity of it, you can do just about anything. And I don't love all those actions anymore. I mean, I, I like to play a little more open. Um, but that, that propelled me. I, I'm, I'm getting off topic maybe, but, uh, oh, back to the kids watching video. Um, they, but they like to watch it as a, as a fan of themselves. And, and it's, and you, if you keep your edits short, um, you know, give kind of base actions and give calls if you don't have calls, whatever, you know. Um, I think you can get in and out of there in 15 minutes and uh, and maybe three minutes of video if you do it well. That's, that's a key right there, I think. Um, um, and, 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 you know, when I started in the NBA, it was half-inch VHS, right, you know, the whole deal. And through through the Dream Team, we were still in VHS, and uh, now the way it's done, now with synergy and all that, uh, you can put together for scouting and stuff, but however you want to do it. But Zach and I have a friend that uh, is really into education and teaching and learning. And, and he told us in an interview we did with him last year, he said, uh, and he's an educator. He's not a coach. He said, uh, Brendan, he said, how long is the attention span of the players that your coaches coach? And I said, uh, oh, a few minutes. He, and he just burst out laughing at us. And I said, he said, today's kid, what we call Gen Zs, it's five seconds. Attention span is five seconds. Wow. And all developed by TikTok and stuff like that, you know. And he said, so you do something for five minutes, you've lost them. And, he's, and, and he said, 
you do something for an hour, they're not, they're, they're asleep. And, and it really was profound. And so, you know, literally, I think in trying to teach and coach coaches now, uh, about as an assistant coach, when you make an assistant coach, when you make a correction, uh, you know, seven seconds or less, get in and get out, you know, head coach, take your time and teach what you have to teach. Uh, but assistant coaches, this is not time to do a clinic and they, you know, to try to become the next coaching you clinician. No, you just come in, make the correction with the player and go on. And uh, I, I think it's a really important to learn the person that's receiving our coaching, how just like a student in school, what we're who we're teaching and what their ability is. And this is not we're not talking about kids with ADHD and stuff like that. We're talking about just the kids nowadays that we're teaching. It was fascinating to me. We're going to take another quick time out and we're going to come back and finish up our last segment with Coach Stacy Hollowell. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Back with national champion, Coach Stacy Hollowell from Loyola. Uh, Coach of the year. All those things sound so good, don't they, right now? They do. They do. Uh, you save, save and cherish them, as I, they say, right? You know, next year in the middle of the year, you're down 21 night, and all of a sudden you'll just sit there saying, ain't none of shit helping right now. And, you know, but that, you know, that's, that's what happens. When you go into the off season now, where do you stand as far as recruiting and stuff like that? Do you what you have to fill gaps on your squad? People leaving, graduating, etc. Yeah, so um, we have uh, four graduating uh, that have to graduate, and we have three that have uh, eligibility left that would maybe like to move up. COVID year type of thing. COVID year, yeah, um, and and that we would like to return if possible. Um, and so you've, you've got to leave those open, you know, which puts you, you know, two of them have the option to play professionally. If they go overseas, that might be pushed back into June or July. Uh, in some cases could go even further because the feeble windows are coming up as you probably know. Um, so we've just got to nail them down a little bit and, and let's, let's figure out what, what you're going to do and let's make some decisions. Um, if that's the case, we got to get after it because we're going to have some, some, some hefty load to fill there. We've got three guys that um, three of four guys in school history with over a thousand rebounds are on the same team. So we've got to replace them. All three of them Jeez. are over 1500 points. Uh, one of them was right at 1900 and the other one was right at 2200. So, um, lots to, lots to replace there. So you might go into, you actually might get guys from the NBA draft, you know, to fill those spots. My God, it's amazing. You know, talented guys. So would to replace talent like that, you don't get those in high school kids. 
do you go into the portal to, I mean, to get kids with experience now? You know, our situation is, is um, a little bit different, I think, than some, because uh, if, if we bring in a freshman, we need to retain them. We need to graduate them. Um, right. That's an important piece for us. If we brought in a sophomore and he wanted to transfer, it doesn't affect us uh, in rankings and so forth um, as it would if we brought in a freshman. So um, it helps in some ways to to um, to bring in transfers. But the other thing is we go hour for hour, credit for credit on transfers. So um, it's a little more difficult for us to get um, a junior college player who might have uh, weightlifting or a basketball class, that stuff won't transfer to they, us. So they don't transfer yeah. in order for us to graduate someone on time. Um, they're either going to have to take more classes um, to catch up or um, we just, we, we need the eligibility to match um, their progress towards graduation. If that makes sense. Oh, big time. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the thing about Loyola is, it's a really good school, and that's what people, you know, they associate uh, NAIA that it's not a good school. It's just the opposite. It's it's always been a, you know, all the Loyolas around the world, from LA to Chicago to Maryland uh, to New Orleans, they're all excellent academic schools, that's right. right? You know, and all in, just, the, in a family. They call it the AJ AJCU, the Association of Jesuit Colleges and Universities. And so you've got. I worked for two. I worked for two of them. George Detroit Tom, Mark and Fairfield. Pat. Yep. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, Georgetown, Boston College, Holy Cross, fabulous Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. So yeah. all in the same family of schools, all value education at a high level. Um, all love basketball. <laughs> Right. No, there, and that's the thing about the, you know, it's great, great education, and they're good people, the Jesuit uh, fathers. And but now, style of play wise, uh, with losing possibly so many good players, how do you approach that now? You almost have to start over if you lose all, most of those kids, six of the seven, let's say, or seven of the seven. So we have five coming back that that will come back. Um, that I feel like could take us to a tournament. Um, and then, you, you know, I'm going to try to get the best player that I can get. And in, in doing so, hopefully the most efficient players that I can get. And then we'll make decisions based on, on what we have. I mean, we have a guy that's, uh, you know, six, eight, almost six, nine bigger, uh, guy that we've we've tried to develop his uh, perimeter shooting some and he'll go down there and seal and hit the little baby hook and uh, he didn't play much for us this year but next year he's a junior and you know we'll we'll play more so we'll just, we'll have to be flexible a little bit and I feel like we're in a position to do that and you'll do the same thing defensively based on the talent you have will determine your style of play a little Absolutely. bit yeah I mean I we, we, like I said, we pressed a lot this year. And if we had him on the floor, we weren't able to do that. Um, right. But if he's one of our more efficient guys and, and more productive guys, then we're going to have to adapt to make it fit. Um, we just had enough last year where we could play fast and, and do some pretty dynamic things on both sides. What does the offseason look like for you as a head coach now? Would uh, you know, as we're in April now, between April and the end of August, when you come back to school, what is what is your your calendar look like? Well, we're going to find the best guys we can we can find. So we're going to have to be on the road and and hustling there, and um, got to make time to be a dad, and a husband, and uh, you know, those things are important. And and as a head coach, you. You have that ability to make your own schedule to some degree. Yep. Um, but we've got to put the best product on the floor that we can. And um, that's going to require me being on the road some. Yeah. When you, uh, what is the status of your gym for next season? Will it be ready to go? So we were told that it would be ready when we return. Um, 
If not, I shudder at the idea of being a nomad again, you know, but I think, I think we're going to be fine there. It's just a matter Great. of, you know, what that process looks like. I, I'm not hundred percent clear there. What, ha what happens now when you have such a neat year uh, on campus with the excitement of the student body, the whole atmosphere on campus, it's I, I've always found that uh, college campuses are great when they're alive and their spirit on them, whether it's, LSU would football or whatever, you know, and any school, but I find a basketball schools, it's really unique, I think in, in a good way. Yeah. The, the, uh, we've got a nice buzz on campus anyway. I mean, you, if, yeah. if you're on our campus and, and you're out and about when there's a class change, like it's, there's really good energy. And, um, so now we've got, you know, national championship banners at the front of the university and they're hanging on the light post and it's kind of neat going through That's campus cool. and seeing all that. And, um, the, the momentum built for us, um, you, you know, it was limited capacity at games because of COVID. Sure. Um, but as we got towards the end there, um, we, we played our opening round games at Tulane at, uh, the old Fogelman, they call it Devlin Fieldhouse. And yep. uh, that place was packed. It was really impressive. It's um, a great little venue when it's packed, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. It is. And it, but, you know, in, in, in appreciating that, um, it also, it's a, it's a, it's a bummer that COVID hit right in the, yeah the middle of these guys, um, careers. You know, their their sophomore year national tournament got canceled. Their junior year was cut short. And then, you know, we had limited seating for part of the year this year. And and then you see, you know, whatever it was, three, four thousand people show up at a game and it was loud and like, man, that would have been so awesome, like if this could have happened sophomore junior year, you know. Yeah. Media wave grew for us in an unbelievable way and um I don't know. That's great. Let me ask you this. Give me uh, some advice that someone that's experienced so much really good and some tough stuff that you've had to go through, like you've this year, coaching overseas, et cetera. Advice for young coaches uh, that are trying to make it in this business. Um, I'll, I'll give I'll give something that I think is important, and it goes back to what we were talking about about duration of practice. Um, there's a book by Daniel Siegel called No Drama Discipline. Um, it's basically how to handle kids. But if you think about it, uh, well, the the premise is this: um, if a kid misbehaves, right, your five year old, um, it's it suggests that you halt. H-A-L-T is an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So if you're having a practice that's three hours and guys are going at it and competing and you've got some disruption there, you've got some, uh, you know, someone acting out. I mean, think about it like when, you, when, when you're hungry, you know, uh, I'm 46. I, when I'm hungry, I'm kind of a crabby dude, you know, uh, am I tired? Pretty crabby when I'm tired, you know, uh, but now you're going three hours and you got guys going at each other or whatever the disruption may be. And, and so what they say is if it's any of those things, your kids acting out, you ask yourself, are they hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? If it's any of those things, you temporarily dismiss the behavior. And you love them, you connect with them, you might be a hug, might whatever it may be to de-escalate. And then you come back, you circle back later. And um, that for us has been effective. Um, it's been effective as a parent, but it's also been effective as a coach. And um, I don't know, I think that's kind of a neat little- I, I neat absolutely little. love that. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, and Zach will laugh, but one of my things is anytime you like anything we tell you, 
you know, give me credit for it once and then you own it. No, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to give you credit for it once and then you you might see this out there and coaching you is halt is the new thing that we're we're professing. Uh, that is fabulous. Give credit absolutely to those guys. fabulous. No, it's it, it, that's that is absolutely great. I love that man. That's really good. I love uh, I love spending time with you. I love learning from you and stuff. And I and I and I really hope that uh, you'll find some time in your uh, little space that you have your short window that you that we get to spend some time uh, this off season where we can uh, share and learn from each other and uh, especially want to learn from you. You're you're absolutely incredible, fabulous, and uh, Stacy, what congrats on a great year and thanks for coming on with us today. Thanks so much. It's been awesome. 